You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for the privilege and the honor that we have to gather together. Lord, we gather around your word and Father, we're here to feed upon your word, to receive from it. Lord, I thank you for causing it to become light and revelation to us by the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, Jesus said you are the teacher. And so we give you permission to teach us, to lead and guide us into all truth tonight. And we expect to receive from you insight and revelation from your word, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that as we do, our faith will be built up, that Lord will be edified and and um, just brought up to uh, where you want us to be. And Father, as we hear the word, we'll be mindful to not just be hearers only, but to be doers of the word as well. And we thank you for it. Thank you for your anointing, not only on me, but Father, on each one to hear and to receive. And we thank you for it, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, let's turn to, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. And we're going to look at our foundation scripture uh, for this particular series. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. I'm going to read it out of the New King James first. Then we'll look at the Bible in basic English. And then I'm going to pick up in verse 4 and read verses four through 11. All right, and as you know, this is week five of our series talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I always enjoy this. I love talking about the things of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe, you know, when you accommodate him, when you make room for him, let me say it to you this way. A good way to get him to show up and to manifest himself, not only in your life, but in our church services and environments like that is to talk about him and of course in a good way but to uh, minister on him to give him room to acknowledge his presence and uh, to give him opportunity to be able to move but anyway let's look at first corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 it says this now concerning spiritual gifts brethren i do not want you to be ignorant and notice again as we've said every week, the word gifts there is italicized at the privilege of the translators, and so that means it was added. And uh, so really what the scripture is saying is this, now concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And as I said, the Bible in basic English verbalizes it very well when it says, but about the things of the spirit, my brothers, it is not right for you to be without teaching. And so that's why we're spending the time, taking the time to talk about these things. And let's drop down to verse 4, where uh, Paul begins to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And he says this, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. One translation says operations, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, 
to another faith or special faith, as the Amplified Bible says, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now these things work, these things operate as the Holy Ghost desires and wills. Now, now you may be used, uh, you know, at one point in one of these gifts, but that doesn't mean that anytime you want to, you can step over in that. These are specifically as the Holy Ghost wills, not as we will and or as we desire. Of course, you always keep yourself available, make yourself available for the Holy Spirit to be able to use you. But again, these things operate as, he's, as He wills. And so then last week, we began to talk about the three categories of the gifts of the Spirit. And the first category that we talked about are the utterance gifts or the vocal gifts, the gifts that say something. And those are prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Then the second group that we talked about are the three gifts that reveal something, that bring revelation. And those are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And then the last group are three gifts that do something. I've heard them called uh, the power gifts. I've heard them called action gifts. In other words, they, they uh, actually do something. They move, they act, they, they work in a way that's uh, outstanding. And those are the gift of faith or gift of special faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. Now I want to take some time, we're going to review these, uh, the first three gifts that we talked about, the utterance gifts last week. Um, and uh, number one is the, the diverse kind, gift of diverse kinds of tongues. And as we said quickly, uh, the definition of that is it is a supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue. And it's unknown to the speaker. Uh, not necessarily unknown to the hearer, but it could be unknown to both the hearer and the speaker. Uh, but it's not necessarily understood uh, or, or, or a foreign language learned by the speaker, if, if you will. And uh, these often are, are accompanied by the one that we're going to talk about next, and that is the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now, in a public service, uh, the gift of tongues knows, does nobody any good unless there is an interpretation of those tongues. So that's why you'll see that functioning in uh, both of those gifts together. Now in your private prayer time, uh, there are many times that they don't work together, that it would just be the gift of tongues that you're using in your prayer language and you're praying or interceding or whatever the case might be. But in a public service, uh, for it to be a benefit and blessing to everybody that's there, there always will be the two of those together. And it's obvious why, because in the, if somebody just gave an utterance in other tongues and there was no interpretation, then nobody's going to benefit or understand what was being said. And so the Holy Ghost will move and cause somebody, lead somebody to uh, minister an interpretation of, of what was said. And so that brings us to uh, gift number two, which is the gift of interpretation of tongues. 
And that is a supernatural revealing of that which has been said in an unknown tongue. And again, as we said last week, uh, I want to just uh, again emphasize the fact that this is an interpretation, not a translation. You might be involved in a service to where somebody gives a message in tongues and uh, you know, the message in tongues might be very short, but the interpretation could be very long. That's because it's not a word for word translation as if you were speaking Spanish to English, that type of thing. Uh, you know, and it, again, we don't determine that, the Holy Spirit determines that. And I've also seen where, um, you know, the, the, the utterance in tongues could be very long and the, the interpretation was very short. So again, it's just as the Holy Ghost designs, and it's not a translation, it's an interpretation given by the Spirit. And so the purpose of this gift is to render the gift of tongues understandable to the hearers and to everybody that's in that environment so that everybody can receive and be blessed uh, in that congregation. And also the person who gave the utterance in other tongues, it, it blesses them as well. Uh, to know that they were used and to be able to bring this forth. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, 13, it says, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, this could be both in your private prayer time or it could be in the public environment. But just because you give the, the utterance in other tongues in the public environment doesn't necessarily mean you're going to interpret. Matter of fact, I've seen it more times than not where God chooses to use somebody else to give the interpretation. And the reason for that is because, again, not only does it bless everybody with the message, but it also helps people who the Holy Spirit is moving on their heart to give forth the interpretation, to step out in faith and to be bold with what the Lord has laid on their heart. And so it helps them to, to gain some courage and some boldness. And... Um, you know, again, in your private time, it could be that the Holy Spirit is bringing some type of revelation to you uh, as you spend time praying in other tongues. Now, uh, I will say this in my personal experience, uh, most of the time as I spend time praying in other tongues for my private prayer language, I don't receive an interpretation of that. Only occasionally as the Holy Ghost wills. And, you know, again, that's up to the Lord, however he wants to orchestrate that. Then the third utterance gift that we've talked about is, is the gift of prophecy, and it is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. So obviously, if our language is English, then it would be a supernatural utterance inspired by the Holy Ghost in, our, in English, in our known tongue. Now, as we said to you last week, the gift, simple gift of prophecy equals the gift of diverse kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. It bypasses one because it immediately gives whatever the Holy Ghost is trying to deliver in a known language, but the, the one equals the two. And that's why Paul would occasionally say things, but let you know us desire that we may prophesy because um, you know we're again functioning in a way that blesses the entire congregation. Now, if you remember, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. So the simple gift of prophecy never deals with future events, never is issuing a rebuke. It's never uh, 
you know, being stern with a congregation or anything like that. It's simply designed to edify, to build up, to exhort, and to bring comfort to whoever is in that environment. Uh, the simple gift of prophecy uh, will not have revelation to it in the sense of a revealing of specifics uh, as does the, the word of knowledge and the, the uh, word of wisdom do. Uh, but again, it's just simply to um, build up, to minister to the group of people uh, or the person that is being spoken to. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, as we said earlier. So because that is the greater of those three in the sense that it clearly ministers and is a blessing. Now, please... Um, you know, and we'll talk about this later on, weeks down the road, but do not confuse this with the office of the prophet. The office of the prophet functions differently than the simple gift of prophecy. And as I've said to you, uh, just because the Lord might use you in the simple gift of prophecy does not make you a prophet, okay? So again, uh, those of you who are already planning on printing your business cards with Prophet Doodad on it, uh, don't do that, all right? Just, just let the Holy Spirit bring that about. Now, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39, it says this, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues, meaning uh, don't limit it to what the Holy Spirit is able to do again, if he desires to bring forth an utterance in tongues and then interpret it, uh, then so be it. Uh, you know, don't say, well, that's, that's not as valuable or, or as important as the gift of prophecy because they both accomplish the same thing. Now, God desires for everybody in a church service or an environment where there's multiple people to be blessed by this gift. That's the whole purpose behind it. And uh, with this gift, there is, and, and I said this to you last week, there is a fourth, F-O-R-T-H, telling, not a foretelling, F-O-R-E, telling, okay? So there, there won't be a disclosure of future events and all that type of thing. Um, the gift of prophecy goes beyond speaking by our own reasoning processes and our own intellect. Uh, it may be involved, as I mentioned to you, in preaching, as some preaching may be an inspired utterance. Now, you know, somebody might say, well, I'm hoping every preacher is anointed and what they're saying is inspired. And yeah, that's true, um, but it's different to be uh, have the anointing upon you to teach and preach the Word of God versus you being in the middle of a message or a lesson and the Holy Spirit deals with you to cover something specific, or as I said to you last week, it could be where the Holy Spirit will, or you'll hear something like this, you know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I really feel like I need to say thus and so, or I need to cover this particular area. Uh, I'll, I'll say this to you as well. Um, I've had people come up to me after a service, and um, you know, they'll say something to this effect. I love when you said, blah, 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 whatever it was, and I promise you, I do not recall saying what they said I said, and I know that what they're saying I said is not in my notes, but that's what the Holy Spirit wanted them to hear and to receive out of that message, okay? So, 
Um, it may be involved in your personal witnessing to somebody else. The Lord may inspire you to say something to someone as you're witnessing to them. And of course, it's an inspired utterance in your known tongue. So in order to minister to them and help them, you know, it could be something as simple as the Lord laid a scripture to share with you on my heart. That's an inspired utterance. It, you know, might be as simple as sharing a scripture from the word, uh, you know, and listen, it doesn't always have to say, thus saith the Lord. Okay. It, you know, sometimes we package things like that. So they sound holy. Uh, but, you, you know, a lot of times we just need to say specifically what the Lord is telling us to say, okay? And uh, the simple gift of prophecy can operate in your private prayer time as well as in a public environment. Um, and it could, you know, work with the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom in your private prayer time. There could be things that are revealed to you along those lines in your private prayer time as the Holy Spirit. You know, you might be in your private prayer time and the Lord lays something on you to declare and it's just you. You know, you feel an, uh, an unction in your spirit to declare in English certain things. Well, that's an inspired utterance, okay? And so that's part of our prayer time. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, uh, the Apostle Paul said, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, the Lord could inspire someone to minister in song. Uh, you know, and it's not a written song that somebody has composed, but it's in the moment. It's a song that is inspired by the Holy Ghost. That is the simple gift of prophecy. Now let's move on. Let's talk about the next three gifts. And we began this last week talking about the gifts that bring revelation, gifts that reveal something. And the first gift of revelation is the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of knowledge. And this is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Ghost of certain facts in the mind of God. Now, one thing to note about this is that the word of knowledge can pertain to things in the present and things in the past, but they will always be facts that are in the heart and the mind of God. Now, uh, we said this last week, that there is a specific reason that the Holy Spirit had Paul write this and call them a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And that is this, because it will always be fragmentary. The Holy Spirit is not going to reveal to you, obviously, everything that is in the heart and the mind of God. But he will give you enough that is necessary for the moment that will minister to the hearer. And I believe it will be enough that it will be undeniable to the hearer that it is from heaven. That it is from God. Okay? So... The word of knowledge can come to us, and this is true for the word of wisdom as well. It can come through several different, different means. It can come through just a, an inward revelation in your spirit, an inward knowing. It can come uh, through a vision. It can come, we have record of the, in the scripture of uh, an angelic visitation. It can come through a dream. It can come as you're praying in the spirit. Uh, so there are different ways that the Holy Spirit can bring this to pass. And again, you know, I, I want us to 
um, not necessarily box the Holy Spirit in and say he has to minister it to us in this way because maybe we've seen that way demonstrated through someone else or in somebody else's ministry. No, just know that if it meets the criteria of being a, a word of revelation of certain facts in the mind of God that comes to us by the Holy Spirit, that that's a word of knowledge, whether it's, you know, again, something that you know in your own spirit or something that is brought to us another way. Now, we brought up the situation in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, where Elisha and Gehazi, remember that story where uh, Naaman came and uh, Elisha gave him an instruction to uh, go and dip in the, the Jordan River seven times. And he was reluctant at first, but then he ultimately did. And uh, he was healed. And then we know that Naaman tried to give Elisha uh, you know, a whole bunch of gifts and things like that. Elisha declined, but Gehazi followed Naaman and ended up telling him, hey, uh, the master changed his mind. He wants some of the stuff. So they ended up loading a bunch of stuff on to Gehazi. Gehazi took it home, hid it in his home. And then Elisha questioned him and said, where have you been? And Gehazi, uh, you know, what's interesting is the Lord always gives us an opportunity to repent and acknowledge the truth, okay? So, you know, you don't have to turn there, uh, but you know, when Elisha questioned him and said, where did you go, Gehazi? Gehazi lied and said, your servant did not go anywhere. Now, here's, here's where Gehazi messed up, was in the lie. Now, I believe, you can disagree with me, but I believe that if Gehazi had said, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I got greedy or whatever the case was and told him what had happened and what he did. Um, I don't believe the outcome would have been the same. I believe that, that the Lord would have had mercy on him. But, uh, you know, as I said to you Sunday, you know, what happens, what gets us in trouble a lot of times and causes us to be offended is when we are confronted with the truth. And Gehazi didn't want to acknowledge the truth in this situation, and it ended up costing him. But again, the whole point is, how did Elisha know where Gehazi went? And it's simply because it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit revealed to Elisha facts that were in the mind of God. Now in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 19 and 20, uh, you don't have to turn there, I'll fill you in. If you'll recall, uh, when Saul first met Samuel, Saul's father had some donkeys that had gone missing. And Saul and a servant in their house had gone out to try and find the donkeys when Saul encountered Samuel. Now, of course, you know, uh, the people had cried out for a king. Samuel received revelation that Saul was the one that was to be anointed king. And so in verse 19, uh, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today and tomorrow. I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. Now notice this. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house. So again, the Holy Spirit revealed to Samuel the whole situation with the donkeys, that they were lost and that they had been found. Although 
Samuel wasn't privy, privy to that natural knowledge. The Holy Spirit revealed it to him. And again, who did that speak to? It spoke to Saul because that would have meant something to Saul. Okay. And then we looked at Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 12, where Ananias uh, received revelation from the Lord that there was one called Saul of Tarsus who had had an experience on the road to Damascus and that he was to go and pray for him that he may receive his sight. Ananias did. And uh, of course, Saul, who became Paul, received his sight. So again, the Lord brought that revelation to Ananias so Ananias could go and minister to Saul. Now in John chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, we see here, if you'll remember, uh, this is the word of knowledge operating in the ministry of Jesus. Now I want to say something right here. Um, we honor Jesus. We uh, appreciate him. And he is and was the divine son of God. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. But make note of this. Jesus did not minister as the son of God. He ministered as a man anointed by God. Okay. So that's very important. So when we see, uh, you'll see operations of the gifts of the spirit in, in Jesus ministry. And that did not happen because he was the son of God. It happened because he was anointed and he heard and obeyed what the Holy Spirit laid on his heart to say and do. You remember he said, I don't say anything unless I first hear the Father say it. I don't do anything unless I first see the Father do it. How does that get revealed to him? By the Holy Spirit. Okay. So what happened? So Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And so Jesus is having this conversation with her. And he said to her in verse uh, 16 of chapter four, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Well, how did Jesus know that she had been married five times and that she was living with a man who wasn't her husband? He had never met her, never seen her before. Well, obviously, because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Now, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 20, you can just make a note of that. Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. John, the apostle, has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And, of course, we know that he received all of the, the revelation while he was in exile on Patmos. And what is interesting is if you'll read the first portion, it's actually the first couple of chapters of the book of Revelation, the Lord Jesus appears to him and gives him strict instructions of what to minister to the seven churches that were in existence, that were real churches during that day. And John received supernatural revelation through that vision concerning the condition of those seven churches. Now, he may have known of those churches because of you know his ministry, traveling, and so forth, but he obviously could not have known the condition of all seven of those churches. And so the Lord Jesus brought this revelation to him so he could write and make record and that those 
churches could be ministered to by what the Holy Spirit and, and the Lord Jesus ministered to him. Now, Acts chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Again, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but this is where Peter is on the roof and he receives the, the vision, has the vision where uh, the, the Lord deals with him to go and minister to the Gentiles. And you remember the sheet was lowered and all the animals that were on the sheet and the Lord told him to arise and kill and eat. And he said, no, I can't do that because these are all unclean. And the Lord told him, he said, don't, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. And so he was bringing revelation to uh, Peter about going and ministering to the Gentiles. Well, this was a word of knowledge. This was a fact in the mind of God that Jesus died for the Gentiles as much as he died for the Jew and that Peter was supposed to go minister to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. So all of those are scriptural examples, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament of the word of knowledge. Now, one thing again, I wanna to mention to you that we talked about last week in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside them. The Holy Spirit would come on them and the anointing would, would make these gifts available, certain gifts available to the saints of the Old Testament. It's different for us. These things don't work necessarily from the outward in for us. They work from the inside out for us. So revelation the anointing will come on you, but revelation is going to come up out of you. Insight is going to come up out of you. The word of knowledge is going to come up out of you, and just like any of the other gifts are. Okay, so I just wanted to uh, mention that. So let's talk about the gift of the word of wisdom. The gift of the word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purposes and plans in the mind and the will of God. So in other words, these things pertain to future events, the plan of God that is yet to come to pass, the will of God that is yet to come to pass. The difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom is that the word of knowledge is always present tense or concerning the past. The word of wisdom is pertaining to things in the future. Now, there are some that say that the, the word of wisdom is the ability to supernaturally deal wisely in the affairs of life. No, that's not the gift of, of the word of wisdom. You can gain wisdom, wisdom from God, just simply by studying and meditating in the word of God in how to deal wisely in the affairs of your life. That doesn't require a supernatural gift by the Holy Spirit. Okay, for instance, if you'll spend time studying and meditating in the book of Proverbs, it will help you um, deal wisely in, in life. You know, Joshua 1.8, the Lord told Joshua, he said, if you will spend time meditating in the word day and night, he said, it will enable you to prosper and to deal, the Amplified, I think, says, deal wisely in your affairs, to deal wisely in this life. But that's not the word of wisdom. Um, the, the gift of the word of wisdom is, again, things that are yet to come that only God knows about. Um, and also, it's not the, the wisdom that we pray for in James chapter 1, verse 5, where, where James wrote and said, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay, 
No, that's just wisdom that the Holy Spirit will bring up in your spirit, but it's not a word of wisdom in the sense of, you know, it, where you're dealing with the situation and the Lord gives you wisdom on what to do, you know, how to handle that particular situation. All right. So let me give you some scriptural examples of the word of wisdom. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Noah in the yes. Old Testament, in the book of Genesis? Well, what is it that Noah did? Well, we know him as the guy who constructed uh, the ark and, uh, you know, took a hundred years to build the ark, even though it was not raining. And, you know, everybody was, was seemingly happy and going through life and all this kind of stuff. And here this old man was out there building this ark. And why was he building the ark? Because he had revelation of something that was coming upon the earth. What was that? the great flood, that the Lord was getting ready to flood the earth. And uh, so God had him build this ark. So what was that? That was a word of wisdom that came to Noah concerning the plan of God that was yet to take place in the earth. We mentioned, I believe last week, Genesis 37, verses 6 and 7, where it talked about the, the dreamer, Joseph where he dreamed and God revealed to him the plan that was going to happen. And of course, he kind of mishandled it a little bit, uh, you know, and got himself in some trouble. But the good news is the Lord got him to where he needed to be. And he was able to save the Hebrew people from starvation. And uh, so, but how did God do that? God revealed that to him, what was yet to take place in his life through a dream. Okay. Now, I believe I mentioned to you last week, and, and this deserves mentioning, and that is this. The Holy Spirit will often use the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge together. In other words, sometimes God will minister to you something that is current or, or past tense, and then at the same time minister something to share with somebody that is yet to come. If you'll remember, I shared the testimony of uh, when I was ministering at the, for that ladies group and, and the, the particular lady who was a friend of mine that was pregnant, you know, and I said to her, or the Holy Spirit said to say to her, um, tell her that the, one, or the, 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 the young uh, baby inside her will grow to become a mighty woman of God. Well, see, there was a word of knowledge. First of all, I knew she was pregnant, but I didn't know what the sex of the baby was. And so that's a word of knowledge. That was something that was only known to she and her husband and to the Lord. And then the word of wisdom kicked in when it was pertaining to the future life of this young lady. And so that is both of them working together. Now, if you remember, 2 Kings, if you want to just make note of this, 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1. If you'll remember that King Hezekiah who was one of the better kings of, of Judah, and uh, but he had messed up. He had made some allegiances that he wasn't supposed to make. And so Isaiah the prophet came to him and said, get your house in order because you're getting ready to die. Now, I want to say something. That was not God declaring death on him. That was God just declaring, or the Spirit of God declaring something that was a fact. Because of his disobedience, he had opened himself up to that. And the reason we know that is because if you'll read the, the, the verses, it says that Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall. He prayed and he repented. And Isaiah, before he could get good 
and, and well out of the house was sent back to go tell Hezekiah, you've been forgiven and that I'm going to extend your life 15 more years. Okay. So the word of knowledge was get your house in order. Okay. Then the word of wisdom was, uh, you know, because you're going to die, but now I've given you 15 more years and, and so forth and so on. Jonah, anybody ever heard of a guy named Jonah? Okay. Everybody knows about, if you've watched Veggie Tales, you know about Jonah and the whale. Okay. So what was Jonah? What, what, you know, everybody of course calls him the prophet Jonah and, and I suppose he was, but the big thing about Jonah was the Lord revealed to him that Nineveh was getting ready to experience judgment because of their wickedness. And so, as we know the story, Jonah was sent to deal with them, to minister to them, to tell them judgment was coming. And however, if they would repent, they would be spared and saved. And so what is that? That supernatural revelation of future events to come. And of course, you know the story, he disobeyed and then ultimately ended up uh, going and, and ministering to them. And what happened? The Ninevites did repent and God was able to move in their city and spare them from destruction. Now, uh, in Acts chapter 9, verses 13 through 16, again, Ananias, uh, in his ministry to Saul of Tarsus, uh, was told by the Lord, in verse 15 of Acts chapter 9, the Lord said to him, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias received revelation of these future events where the apostle Paul was concerned. Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. Acts 11, 27 through 29. And this is where uh, Agabus the prophet came and uh, he stood up and he showed by the Spirit of God, verse 28 says, that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And uh, so then each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. So here we see Agabus receiving supernatural revelation of what was yet to come, that there was a famine that was coming. And then in Acts chapter 27, verses 10 and 11, Acts 27, verses 10 and 11, the apostle Paul, while he was on his journey to Rome, you remember the story where uh, he tried to convey to the captain of the ship that there was a storm coming and so forth that was revealed to him. In verse 10 of Acts 27, it's, Paul said, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. And nevertheless, the centurion didn't listen to him. And of course, you know the story. They did end up getting into a storm. So again, the Apostle Paul received supernatural revelation by the Holy Ghost of future events. This is the operation of the gift of the word of wisdom. All right. Now, again, talking about John on the Isle of Patmos receiving what we know as the book of Revelation. If you'll recall, the book of Revelation contains the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Okay. 
because how it, it pertains facts as i said to you you know i.e the seven churches but it also received or he received revelation of future events things that we're watching come to pass even today uh paul or john rather received that all by the holy ghost okay now let's talk about the third gift the third revelation gift and that is called the gift of discerning of spirits the gift of discerning of spirits and it is the supernatural insight into the realm of spirits or the spirit realm it is supernatural insight into the spirit realm now what does the word discern mean discern means this according to the dictionary to perceive by seeing or hearing to perceive by seeing or hearing so the gift of discerning of spirits is seeing or hearing into the spirit realm the realm where uh, God functions where the angels are of course where demonic activity takes place now a lot of people think that the gift of discerning spirits only pertains to uh, finding demons and that's not necessarily true it could uh, but anybody in the scripture where you have seen where they have had an angelic visitation angels are spirit beings okay now when somebody has had an angelic visitation where we just talked about you know a few examples of that uh, that is discerning of spirits in other words the person the Holy Spirit came on that person and they were able to see over into the realm of the spirit and were able to hear and receive what that angel was desiring to minister to them okay now this gift is not as broad as the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge why because it's only revelation into the realm of the spirit all right now I want to just clarify a couple of things right here the gift of discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion okay you know where you think somebody's crazy so they must have a demon all right that's not the gift of discerning of spirits all right because they might be crazy but that doesn't mean they have a demon all right and I'm being funny when I say that but uh, seriously there are people that think uh, you know that they oper operate in discernment well first of all there's no gift just of discernment there's the gift of discerning of spirits now discernment can take place just by you being led by the spirit in your own spirit you know you can know certain things in your own spirit without it necessarily being one of the nine gifts of the spirit you know there have been times when uh, I have met someone don't know a thing about them but I, I just know in my spirit something is wrong you know and uh, you know don't have any revelation as to what it is but there's just an uneasiness I have a check in my spirit about going forward and in, in the relationship or whatever the case might be that is just simply you being led by your spirit but that's not the gift of discerning of spirits that's not necessarily the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge okay I just want to clarify that and again it's not limited to just demons and devils it is uh, you know discerning what's going on the activity in the realm of the spirit 
All right? Now, it is, again, as I said, supernatural insight into the spirit world where there are godly divine spirits, i.e. angels, as well as evil spirits. Okay? Now, I'll say this to you. There have been times, even in a service or a prayer environment or uh, you know, a public service, public environment, where I have had a knowing in my spirit that angels were present, although I never saw them with my, or my, my eyesight was never opened into the realm of the spirit, but I had supernatural revelation that they were there. Okay, that, can, that is possible, and that is and could be the gift of discerning of spirits. It doesn't mean that you, you have an open vision per se. All right. It's revelation. It's revelation. It's a revealing. Okay. Now, in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. Acts 16, 16 through 18. This is where Paul is out ministering. And you remember the little girl that had a spirit of divination that was following them around and declaring. You know, everybody listen to these men because they're sent by God. And so this went on for a period of time. Verse 18 says, And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, that's what the New King James says, one translation says, being grieved in his heart or in his spirit, uh, turned and said to the spirit. Notice he's, he spoke to the spirit. And he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So what I want you to see in this is Paul probably saw, now it doesn't say this specifically, but he probably saw or had revelation into the spirit realm and saw the spirit that was behind what she was doing. By the way, you don't need demons and devils doing your marketing for you. Okay, you don't need them proclaiming that you're anointed. All right, so that was why Paul was grieved in his heart. Okay, but uh, he must have received supernatural revelation because the scripture specifically says he turned and said to the spirit. He knew that there was a spirit there. So he had supernatural revelation that there was a demon involved in this little girl. All right. And again, as I said to you, uh, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't need the discerning of spirits to know that things are out of order. The Holy Spirit can just reveal that to your spirit and you just have that knowing uh, in your heart without specifics and without seeing or hearing into the realm of the spirit. Okay. Now, let's see. Um, now, I want to emphasize this to you. These manifestations, these things we're talking about are not designed just for pulpit ministers, okay? They are designed for believers as the Holy Spirit wills, all right? So I want to just make sure I emphasize that because, again, what we have a tendency to do is think this only happens in the big healing crusades with, you know, whoever the healing evangelist might be or... Uh, you know, the big well-known minister or whatever the case, and it could, and it, and it, you know, very well probably could. But what I want you to know is that you can make yourself available to be used by God in these areas. 
but make sure that you operate in these things as the Holy Spirit wills, all right? Now let's move on and let's talk about the power gifts, the gifts that do something, okay? And these are very important, the power gifts. Let's start with the gift of faith or the gift of special faith. The gift of special faith. Now this definition is a little bit long, but I'll give it to you anyway. It's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit whereby a believer, and I'll repeat it, don't worry, is empowered with special faith or wonder-working faith, and it is beyond simple saving faith. Okay, let me say it again. It's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit whereby a believer is empowered with special faith or wonder-working faith, and it is beyond simple saving faith. Anybody need it again? Yes, sir. Okay. The gift of faith is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit, whereby a believer is empowered with special faith or wonder-working faith, and it is beyond simple saving faith. Now, simple saving faith, we all possess. We all received a measure of that when we got born again. And to the degree, or, or you determine the degree to which that faith is developed. You know, again, we've talked about great faith, little faith, all of that. Uh, uh, that faith is given to every believer. This faith is different. Okay, now write this down, please. The gift of faith is given to the believer so that he can receive miracles. The gift of faith is given to the believer so that he can receive miracles. It's given to the believer so he can receive. Emphasis being receive miracles. Now, the, and I'll just go ahead and tell you this, the difference between this gift and the gift of working of miracles is obvious by the name. The gift of working of miracles is uh, given to the believer so he can work miracles. Okay? And I'll show you, you'll understand when I give you a couple of examples. Okay? In the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 6 verses 21 through 23. All right, this is when Daniel is thrown in the lion's den. Okay, now I know what we all would like to believe is that if we were thrown in the lion's den, that we have enough faith that, uh, you know, we could keep the lions from, or, you know, the power of God would be present to keep the lions from hurting us. Well, I, I would have to disagree with you, okay, that is beyond what your faith is capable of receiving. You can receive this. In other words, let me read to you the scripture. Verse 21, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. This is when Nebuchadnezzar came to check on Daniel. And my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And the king was exceedingly glad for him, 
and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Now I'll say this to you. Uh, the same thing happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? You remember they were thrown in the fiery furnace. All right? So, you know, somebody says, well, you know, I just believe that the same thing would happen for me. Well, I'm in agreement with you. But I want you to know that when the time comes, and if that was you in their shoes, you're going to need some supernatural help. All right? So whether you're thrown in a fiery furnace, whether you're thrown in the lion's den, doesn't matter. At the moment, you're going to need some supernatural help. Okay? So, you know, hopefully, prayerfully, the, the gift of faith would be there to sustain you in that moment. So when special faith is in operation, now listen to this. When special faith is in operation, the believer will believe God in such a way that God honors their word as if it is his own and miraculously causes it to come to pass. That's heavy. Okay? Let me say that to you again. When special faith is in operation, the believer will believe God in such a way that God honors their word as if it is his own and miraculously causes it to come to pass. Okay? So, I want to give you another example of this. In Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 and 14, I'll give you the synopsis. Joshua 10, 12 through 14. This is when Joshua commanded for the sun to stand still and the moon to stay in the valley of Ajalon because he needed to win this victory. Okay? Now, I would love to believe that all of us would have enough faith that we could believe God for such a thing as this. However, I would, would, would propose to you that you're going to need some supernatural help to start talking to the sun to tell it to stand still. In other words, for time to stop and pause. Okay? That is, that's, that's a big deal. All right? You know, have you ever thought about this? Just, you know, this is free. This won't cost you anything. But have you ever thought about other people in different parts of the world that, uh, you know, they were ready to go to bed and it wouldn't get dark? You ever thought about that? All because of the words that Joshua spoke? Okay. In other words, people on the other side of the planet were stuck. There were people that were thinking it was morning time and it was time to get up, but they couldn't because the sun wasn't coming up. Why? Because Joshua had told it to stand still. All right? Now, what is this? For Daniel, for Joshua, these, these were, this was supernatural ability coming on them. Notice, to receive a miracle. A supernatural uh, ability by God to receive this miracle. All right? So, in other words, and, and notice what happened when Joshua spoke. God honored it as though it was God speaking himself. Okay? Now, somebody said, well, you teach that God will do that for me. I do teach that. But God will do that for you where your life is concerned. Okay? God won't stop time for you unless you have some supernatural help by the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that affects a whole world. It's not just your life that's being impacted by that. But you can definitely speak the word of God concerning healing for your body, 
your needs being met, all of the things that God's Word provides for us for your life, and God will honor it as though it's Him talking. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. All right. Now, this special faith cannot be increased by hearing the Word of God like simple saving faith can. Okay? This is something that purely comes by and through the Holy Ghost. So you can't, you can't add to this by meditating in the Word. You can add to your faith by, by meditating in the Word, but you're not going to be able to develop and grow this special gift of faith by meditating in the Word, confessing the Word, and those types of things. Now, I will say this. Let me give you a quote from Smith Wigglesworth. I think all of you know who Smith Wigglesworth was, great man of God. He said this, If you will take a step of ordinary faith, when you come to the end of that faith, very often this supernatural gift of special faith will take over. Now, I want you to keep in mind when I read this to you, this man, and I've heard different numbers. I've heard as low as 12. I've heard as high as 20, 21, I think. People raised from the dead under this man's ministry. Now, you don't raise people from the dead unless the gift of faith is in operation. Okay? But I will say this to you based on what he's saying. If you will take a step of ordinary faith, when you come to the end of that faith, very often this supernatural gift of special faith will take over. One reason more folks don't see the manifestation of special faith operating in their lives is they don't first use what faith they already have. See, I believe what would happen was sometimes when he would find out, I remember his own wife, Polly, died. And uh, he went into where she was laying. And, you know, I have to believe that... Um, you know, something about him was not ready to let her go. And so he went as far as he could with his faith, but then the gift of faith kicked in. By the way, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and possibly the gifts of healings have to be in operation for you to raise somebody from the dead. Now, why, why those other gifts? Well, first of all, the working of miracles is the ability to work a miracle. I would say raising somebody from the dead is working a miracle, wouldn't you? Okay. Yeah. Then the gifts of healings has to be in operation because if they died because of sickness and disease, if you raise them from the dead and they don't get healed, the disease will kill them immediately after you've raised them from the dead. So all three of these power gifts have to be in operation for someone to be raised from the dead. Okay. But I believe as he went in, I, you know, and I don't know, I haven't heard him say this, or obviously haven't heard him say it, but or read it, or anything like that. But I have to know that he, he went in, found her, or saw her in that state, went as far as his faith would take him. And I love the story, if you've ever read it, he, he spoke to her and told her to come back in the name of Jesus and raised her from the dead. And when she opened her eyes, she looked at him. And these were the first words that came out of her mouth. Smith, why did you do that? Okay. She didn't want to come back. She wanted to stay in heaven. And so he ended up having a conversation with her for several minutes. I, I forget how long. 
and uh, talk to her and uh, then eventually let her go and she went back to heaven. Okay? Now, you don't operate in that with just normal saving faith. You don't do what Jesus did in raising people from the dead with normal saving faith. That takes those three power gifts in operation for that to take place. You don't stand outside of Lazarus' tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth and the man be raised from the dead by your simple saving faith. That's why, you know, we've kind of messed up sometimes. We charismatics, you know, we've, uh, I know of a situation many, many years ago where a pastor, uh, there was somebody in his congregation that died and he went to the funeral and tried to raise uh, this person from the dead and it fail, failed, obviously, because the Holy Ghost, he wanted it to happen, not the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, and he meant well, but it ended up causing a, a, a big problem. The family got upset and, you know, just caused a whole bunch of problems. And so here's what I want you to know is that when you are supposed to move in something like that, there will be a supernatural knowing, a boldness, and a courage that will come with those gifts being in operation. So unless you know that those gifts are in operation, do not step out in those things, okay? Because you're going to cause not only yourself embarrassment, you'll cause the name of Jesus embarrassment, and uh, just cause a whole lot of problems. But I, but I will say this, if you know that you know that you know that the Holy Spirit is moving on you to act in that, then by all means, step out and act on it. Amen? Amen. Now we'll Amen. stop right there with, and we'll get over into the gift of working of miracles uh, next week. And then we'll talk about the gifts of healings and uh, continue to move on this. Is this helping you at all? Yes. yes, sir. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.